Thanks. Wrong century. I love the way you laugh, Ward. When when Ward, like when he laughs, he laughs hard. Somebody told me the other day that they snarfed. And I said, what was that? And they said they laughed so hard that they snorted. And then they laughed so hard that they snorted that they snorted again. And that's a snarf. It's a, (laughs) it's it's that. Anyway, have a seat. Have a seat. Hand for the band. Thanks, band. Have a seat. You're amazing. Relax. Sit down. That's a snarf. My wife snorts when she laughs. She says she doesn't, but she does. Ah, great. Thanks for having me this morning. Ah, this is this is good. We finished quarter past eleven early. Lo- who loves an early finish? Woo! How exciting is that? Pastor Phil announced it the other week at, at Oxford Falls. I go to Oxford Falls and he said we're gonna be finishing, you know, fifteen minutes early every week. And everyone's like, Woohoo! And he was like, All right, <laughs> take it easy. <laughs> Let me just pray and then we'll start. Father, thanks for this morning. Uh, thanks for the work that you're going to do in people's hearts. Thank you that people uh, are not here by accident, huh, Father, that uh, uh, there's some people here thinking, oh, I just showed up. Well, you, you didn't. Um, that God's doing more behind your back than he is in front of your face. If he, can, if he can create a universe, he knows how to create new stuff in you. I believe there's fresh seeds, uh, fresh dreams, fresh anointings coming into people's lives today. I've been praying for you guys this week. I was going to say it later, but I'll say it now because we're here. And I, and, I, and I believe I can see people being digging their way out of holes. People feel like they've got in a hole and you're going to be dug out this morning. You're going to dig your way out. And this morning as I, as I talk, I believe God's going to speak something specifically to you and go, oh man, that's for me. That is for me. That is for me. That's the answer I needed. Father, I thank you for it this morning. I thank you what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we're talking about anxiety. I'm so stressed about this message. (laughs) No, but it's great. Uh, And uh, overcoming anxiety. My message is called Stand, Stay, Sing. Stand, Stay, Sing. God smiled for that. Yeah, Stand, Stay, Sing. Uh, Anxiety means this, a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease about something with an uncertain outcome. Or... I like this. I like this. I love this. Using your imagination to create something you don't want. That's pretty good, right? That's a pretty good idea of what anxiety is. Um, There's a great story of um, Jesus showing up to Lazarus, and Lazarus has just died. Jesus shows up in, in the middle of a tough situation, and Martha says to him, Jesus, you should have been here yesterday. And I thought, what a funny thing for her to say. God shows up in the middle of a really tough time, and you go, you so should have been here yesterday, God. And I thought, what is, don't we do that? It's like you're in a really tough time. You're in prayer. God shows up. You say, God, I should have bought that house 20 years ago. Where were you then? You know, we, we immediately go to the place of yesterday of the things that God should have done years ago. And Martha said to Jesus, oh, great, you're here now. Lazarus is already dead. You should have been here yesterday. And, and um, Jesus, says to her, uh, Jesus says to her, your brother's going to rise again. It's all right. And she goes, yeah, I know. In the resurrection, he'll rise again. It'll be right. So it, it's it's a funny thing. This she seems to have faith for yesterday, and she's got faith for tomorrow. It's like God, you should have showed up yesterday, and everything will be all right. And 
she sounds like the sort of woman that would always end her prayers by saying, but I know everything's probably going to work out anyway, God, so thanks for everything anyway. You know what I mean? So she's got kind of a faith, way for the future, kind of a faith, way for the past. But Jesus says to her this, he says, I am the resurrection and the life today. That's who I am. I read this quote the other day. It says this, that the reason people find it so hard to be happy is that they always see the past better than it was, the present worse than it is, and the future less resolved than it will be. So we're constantly living in the past, living in the future, and we live this constant anxious, anxiety-filled life because we're never prepared to live in today. We're never in today. We're never here. Some of you are sitting here today and you're still getting up out of bed mentally and you're thinking about something later on and something that you'll play. You're never here. You're never flipping here. You're always somewhere else. You're never here. This morning, let's be here. Joyce Meyer says this, a woman who uh, more people read Joyce Meyer's teachings, uh, you know, uh, on the Bible, I think now than any other speaker ever. She's that popular. Her stuff is amazing. She says this, and she's gone through terrible anxiety. She says um, her definition of anxiety is mentally and emotionally leaving where you are and getting into an area of the past or the future. Do you know what? Before I first had my first time ever, ever on television, it was the night before. I just got the job. I was really excited about it. But it, the night before it hit me, oh, my gosh. I'm going to stand in front of a camera and talk. And if I stop, everything stops. You know what I mean? I just had this, it was a real anxiety. I don't know if you've ever had these thoughts of just like, they're almost not reasonable thoughts. And I filled my head and I thought, if I stop talking, everything will stop. You know, it was crazy. It's all on me. You know what I mean? It's all on me to make sure I don't stop this up. You know what I mean? It was a heck of a pressure. And I was like, God, what am I going to do? God, what take this anxiety away. You know, get rid of this. Get this off me. You know, get rid of this fear. I rebuke your fear and go away fear and I want peace. And, and I was fighting through this. And I found the Holy Ghost spoke to me right in the middle of it. And he didn't say what I thought he would say. I thought he might say, fear be gone. Rest easy, my child. Everything will be all right. You're great. You know, something like that. That's what I was hoping for. And the Holy Spirit said exactly this. He said, focus. Hardly anyone focuses, which I don't think is grammatically correct. But who am I to judge? <laughs> no, he said, he, I mean, he said, focus. Hardly anyone focuses. And it has been, for me, the biggest key to getting through times of extreme pressure in my life. And especially on TV in front of people, it's like, focus. For me, you know when the Holy Ghost says one thing, but it explodes into a lot of things? Gives you one seed and it becomes a tree immediately. Um, it was like, just do what I'm being asked to do and let everything else work itself out. I'm not responsible for everybody else's job. Just do what I'm being asked to do. Just focus. And it was such a great key to fixing those anxious thoughts. In World War II, there was a woman by the name of Corrie Ten Boom. I've studied her a bunch of times and I love her, her story. Uh, her and her family hid Jews from the Nazis in World War II. She wrote a book called The Hiding Place. And this 
I don't know if anyone heard of it, the hiding place, yeah. this hiding place was actually in her bedroom behind a false wall. So they would have up to half a dozen Jews hiding there at any particular time and living with their family. And when the Gestapo would come through the village and come through their houses, they had a buzzer downstairs that her dad would press, she would hear it upstairs, and they had exactly one minute to get these Jews behind this wall and get it covered up so the, the, the Nazis didn't find them. She said, I had one minute to come, put me through my book. And then the Nazis would come in, they'd call the whole family down, and they would stand in the kitchen while the Nazis went through and uh, they searched the whole house. Imagine that. Day after day, week after week, month after month, standing there while these guys are searching your house, knowing that you're hiding Jews, and if they find them, you are dead, probably worse than dead, standing there. She says this, it's amazing. She says, worrying is carrying tomorrow's load with today's strength. This is a woman who knows how to carry anxiety. Carrying two days at once. It's moving into tomorrow ahead of its time. Worrying doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It just empties today of its strength. That's a woman who knows how to just live in today. Incredible. She ended up overseeing a whole network of these safe houses where hundreds and hundreds of lives were saved. Incredible story, huh? I love this. It says this, Ephesians 6.13. The NIV says this. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, keep on fighting, keep on yelling. No, it doesn't say that. After you've done everything, make a new plan and a new goal. It doesn't say that. It says, after you've done everything, stand. Stand. Stand in today. Today's the day you've got. Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow, we don't know what's going to happen. But today, you can have a day of peace. Today you've got control over. Jesus says, you, you speak to that mountain. In Mark 11, he says, speak to that mountain. I had a situation. I was up in the Gold Coast. This is last weekend. And I, and I was there emceeing this real estate event. Yawningly boring. And, uh, and I, was, I was going to bed at night. And all these crazy thoughts about the future just coming to my head. What about this? What about that? How are you going to do that? How are you going to fix that? And, but real stuff. Real stuff. And this scripture came to me when you've done everything. You stand. And I got in my bed and I stood. It's midnight and I was half asleep. You know, that, that's when crazy thoughts come to you. I got in my bed and I stood there. And I thought, bull. I said, bull out loud. I'm sorry about that, everyone. I know it's offensive, but I said, bull. I don't believe it. I don't believe that's going to happen. I'm standing on this. God is for me, so who can be against me? Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. All things work together for good. They might not work for him, but it's going to work together for me. This word is for me. And I start to speak the word of God. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. Devil is under my feet. Whatever I say comes to pass. I'm blessed going in. I'm blessed coming out. I'm blessed to see the blessing of God. And I started to speak the word of God. And it was this. I was just standing. I thought, I've done everything. I've prayed. I've read the Bible. I go to church. But I need to stand on today. And it was almost like I could feel this thing backing off. And it just left. I thought, dare you have a go at me like that stand jesus says speak to the mountain i don't know if you've been speaking about the mountain a lot jesus never said speak about it he said speak to it speak to it dad speak to it greater is he who is in me than that you're gone 
All things work together for my good. This will work together for my good. It will. This will work together for my good. You speak the word of God. My God. Oh, that's good. Anyway, do you know why you do this? Can I share something I shared with my kids the other day? I teach my kids as much stuff as I possibly can about the word of God. And, and, and I said to my son Maverick, if you ever get nervous, he gets a bit nervous playing soccer. He's a good soccer player, but he gets nervous. I said, you've got to speak the word of God out. And, and he said, why? And I said, do this for me. And I said, in your head, count to 10. And so he goes, one, two, three. No, no, no. In your head, <laughs> count to 10. Don't say the words, just count to 10. And he goes, And I'm like, awesome. He's nine. And so, he, he, not 15. He's, he's good. So he counts 10. And I said, now I want you to count to 10 in your head again. But while you're doing it, I want you to say the alphabet. And he goes, A, B, C. A, B, C. And he says, I can't do it. I said, that's exactly right. I said, because when you speak, your brain stops to listen what your mouth is, is saying. And I said, that's why your words are so jolly powerful. So I don't care what argument's going on in your head. Once you speak words out of your mouth, your brain stops to listen. And that's why it's so powerful. It's good to know when you're nine years old, all right? <laughs> stay. We're going to stay put. We're going to stay. This is what we're going to do. Second thing. Sorry, that was stand. This next one is stay. Oh, I love this. Hebrews 12.1. I've been through the ringer on this. I always preach about stuff that I've been through the ringer on. Stand. Second thing is stay. Hebrews 12.1 says this. In the New King James Version, it says, Let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us. Paul is saying two things here. Or whoever the writer of Hebrews is. Let's go with Paul. We're good people. Great. If you're good, Lord, I'm good. Okay. He's saying two things about secret to success in life. Life's like a race. And if you want to run a good one, run your own. <laughs> that's it it's like finish thank you good night <laughs> honestly that has taken me so long to get just that it's amazing because he gives this analogy uh, it, it's almost like he's saying in your life it's like you get born you go mark set go and you start running and you're running and you're enjoying your life and things are good and all of a sudden i know this wouldn't happen to anyone here this is people in a different church you would start to glance into the lane of someone next to you, and your life's good, and then you go, Where? how did they get up there? How did they get that far ahead? They started after me, and now they're way up here. That's cr I know how they got there. They're manipulative. They manipulate. Is anyone else seeing this? They just, they're like, backside kiss. It's just, and, and by this text, Paul is suggesting that, I know, again, it wouldn't happen to anyone here, that we would glance so often into the lane next to us and that person that eventually we would actually get into this lane and for some bizarre reason begin to run someone else's race. Or in other words, their success becomes a measuring stick of how you're doing in life. Ludicrous thought, isn't it? And then we have a great time at church and we're back in our lane. We're like, oh God, I love you. I love you again. I love you. Look at them worshiping. Oh my gosh, they're worship I know what they're worshiping so much. Because everything just gets given to them. They got given a house. Oh my gosh. Got that they've been saved two weeks. I've been saved for like 30 years. Never get given jack. And then you're like, then you're into them. Oh my gosh. And then you become a policeman for lanes. 
And when anyone wants to talk about it, whenever their name comes up in conversation, you're like, yeah, I know what they're like. Come and have a look. Yeah, they're probably going to waste the money. You know, we become, and then some of us aren't happy with two lanes. We've got like five or six. You know, we can't get on a bus without looking at them and going, yeah, I bet they got given that. And I bet they, you know, oh, they look, they look a bit manipulative. And we say, oh, my gosh, we're living all these different lives. <laughs> I just confess, I had one the other day. This new girl started at my kid's school. My daughter, Roxy, is 11. Went around to her place for a play date, and they've got a really flash car. <laughs> it's terrible. And I'm in the kitchen. I was peeling a carrot, right? as you do. And uh, my daughter, Roxy, comes in, and uh, this girl, what was her name? Sophie, I think. I said, how was a, <laughs> how was a play date at Sophie's? And she said, it was really good. And I said, what's the house like? <laughs> and just, I shouldn't have asked. It's terrible. And she's like, oh, it's massive. And I was like, Carrots, nothing left of it, hey? Flipping massive house. I bet Dad's not around much. Anyway, <laughs> it's terrible. Say to the person next to you, stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Oh, my Lord. Facebook, don't you want to get rid of Facebook? Shivers. We're, we're sitting watching, this is, oh, I'll confess again. We're watching TV. This is like a few weeks ago. And we're sitting down Friday night, Thai, you know, big block of chocolate. You open it right up so you have to finish it, you know. And um, and watching TV. And my wife can watch TV with one eye and do Facebook with the other. She does. It's amazing. <laughs> and we're watching a movie. And she just says this. She says, they're in Bali again. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, you know, eating food and you know, having a good time. And I said, what? She said, she doesn't say anything. She just holds it up like this so I can see it. And I look at it and I go, that's the first trip. She goes, it's a different resort. And I go, give me a look again. <laughs> Pass it over and I'm like, oh my gosh. Two trips to Bali. Only like halfway through the year. And then she carries on. And now I'm trying to watch TV. I'm going, two trips to Bali. In one year. Now I'm thinking, they've only got one kid. They can afford It's easy. It's easy if you only got one kid. Why did we have three? Why did we have three? <laughs> you can never go anywhere three because you have to get two rooms or you have to smuggle one in. And then I'm going through this, and I'm going, we haven't been overseas for years. Why did I get a decent job? And television's so volatile. And what, where's God? I, I tired. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Stupid Facebook, honestly, I tell you. <laughs> what does Steve Furtick say? Don't, uh, don't compare your day-to-day with other people's showreels. I think that's a good thing. <laughs> Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Let me just uh, read this. Can I read this uh, uh, amazing quote? I read th- actually, I'll read this from Philippians. No, 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 no. Wait. Th- th- this is in James. James 4-ish. says this. What leads to strife, discord, and feuds? This is from the Amplified. And how do conflicts, quarrels, and fightings originate among you? Do they not arise from your central desires that are ever warring in your bodily members? You are jealous and you covet what others have. You burn with envy and you anger and are not able to obtain the gratification and the contentment and the happiness that you seek. To sum it all up, you will never be um, content and you'll never be happy with your life while you're looking at others. Isn't that crazy? God's saying, why are you freaking out? Because of you. Can I read you this wonderful thing from Mother Teresa? We all love Mother Teresa. Oh, I've pressed the weather. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Close. Good. Here we go. Mother Teresa. Everyone knows the mother. 
<laughs> Mother Teresa. <laughs> Here we go. She says this about all the work that she did. I mean, and, you know, she went over. Where, where, where did she go, Mother Teresa? Anyone? Yeah. Where nobody else would go to help people that nobody would help. She says this. If you're kind, people may accuse you of selfish ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, uh, you will win some false friends and some true enemies. Succeed anyway. If you are honest and frank, people may cheat you. Be honest and frank anyway. When you spend years building, someone could destroy it overnight. Build anyway. If you find, this makes me cry. If you find um, serenity and happiness, they may be jealous. Be happy anyway. Uh, the good you do today, people will often forget tomorrow. Do good anyway. Give the world your best, and it may never be enough. Give the world your best anyway. You see, in the final analysis, it's between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. That's so powerful, isn't it? Isn't great? <laughs> Crazy. Rad. Stay in your lane. Stand, stay. And the last bit is this. Yet sing. This is a crazy scripture. Philippians 4, 6 in the NIV says this. Do not be anxious about anything. I love it. Just don't. Don't. <laughs> hey, you know how you're anxious? Don't. Jesus says that about worry. Eh? You know how you're worried? Don't. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God, and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ. The peace of God that transcends all understanding, or some versions say it passes all understanding. A peace that passes understanding will guard your heart and mind. That means you don't have to understand it to have it. There doesn't have to be a reason to have it, to have it. I woke up, felt peaceful this morning. God must be doing something. What's he doing? What's God doing? I feel peace. I don't feel anxious. What is Shut up. It's just, it's just peace. It's just peace. I shouldn't feel this peaceful. My life's a mess. It's all over the place. Why do I feel so good? Why do I feel so peaceful? Don't be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. I might get the band to come up whenever you're around, guys. That'd be great. There we go. With thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. When you pray with thanksgiving, there's a peace that you won't understand is going to fill you, your heart and your mind, your thoughts and your emotions. It's going to bring you back into the day today. It's going to stop you running into other lanes, looking at other people. It's a peace that's going to stop you thinking about tomorrow and yesterday. Do you know what? I had this thing once. I made a real estate decision once, which was a bad one. <laughs> and I, you know, being an amazing man of faith, I only replayed it in my mind for about four years. <laughs> what I should have done, what I should have done, <laughs> What I should have done over and over. I know none of you have had this. Oh, my gosh. Eventually, God spoke to me because I never asked God about it. I just replayed and give myself a hiding what I should have done. God said to me this. It's huh, awful. He said, if you had your time again, you would have done the same. Move on. <laughs> and otherwise, in other words, you're not, you're not that smart, mate. 
If you had your time again, you'd probably do the same, but move on. Let it go. Sometimes it's good to know that, huh? Oh, I would have, I would have. Probably wouldn't have. Wouldn't have. You know what? You did your best at the time. You had the information that you had. You gave it your best crack. Move on. Move on now. <sighs> With thanksgiving, present your request to God that peace guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Thanksgiving brings peace. Finish on this. Isaiah 54 is the most offensive scripture in the Word of God. It starts with two of the most offensive words ever. It says, Sing, O barren. Crazy. Crazy. Sing, O barren, you who have never born. Burst into song, shouts of joy. You who are never in labor. Because more are the children of the desolate woman than those who've had a husband. Enlarge the place of your tent. We love this bit. Enlarge the place of your tent. Yeah. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Yeah. My life's going to get big. Don't hold back. I won't, God. Lengthen your cords. Yeah. Strengthen your stakes. Yeah. I'm here for the long haul. You'll spread out to the left and the right. And your descendants will dispossess nations. Settle in their desolate cities. Don't be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. We read this, and I sometimes hear people preach it. And I've gone, I want to stretch out. <laughs> I want to lengthen my, my cords and strengthen my stakes. I want my life to get bigger. But I don't know if I'm capable of it anymore. I don't know if I can. And those of you that have been through disappointments and pain and hardships, when we hear that, it's like, yes, I want to, but it, it never really connects with us. That's cool. Because you've got to rewind back to the start of what God says to us first. And he says, sing, O barren. He knows how to unlock things, God. In the time this was written, a woman's self-worth and social status came from her family or her ability to have children and lots of them. That was her call in life. A Hebrew woman back in that time, her call was to create life. In Hebrew culture, a woman's womb was her destiny. And children were considered a gift from God. So if your womb or your destiny was closed, it was thought that God did it. That somehow you felt called to something but somewhere along the way, God went nah and shut your destiny, shut your future. You've called me to this. How could you call me to this and give me a dream for this? And then it feels like you've shut it off. I love it in the scripture that God doesn't say, if you feel like that, get a new vision. If you feel like that, you need some more goals. If you feel like that, you need a new plan or you need fresh faith. He doesn't say that. What does he say to someone who feels like this? There is only one remedy for a heart that believes that God has let them down. And that's to sing. Isn't that a crazy thing? My kids are getting a little bit older now. But they run through the house and they sing. And they've done it from a little age. And it seems to be one of the most natural things in the world. And, you know, sometimes we almost have to go back to that place of when we first got saved and we need to sing again. So we're going to stand in two seconds. But I don't know if you've got areas of your life where you feel like God has let you down.
dude, you let me down. And I dance around it, and I pretend it's not true, but I flippin' feel like you let me down. Bottom line, that's what I feel. And I want to strengthen my stakes, and I want to get bigger and larger. But it's like this wall of, it's an anxiety thing I can't get through because I feel like it's your fault. If I was to be that honest. And he says, this is what you need to do. Sing barren woman. It's offensive. How dare you ask me to sing when it's your fault? You want me to sing to you? He says, sing. This is what's going to unlock your future. Sing to me. This is what it's going to unlock it so you can stretch out. Sing. This is going to unlock you being able to strengthen your stakes, to make your life big again, to make your dreams big again. You've got to sing to me again. I don't want to because you've let me down. It's the way it works. This is the key that unlocks the door to your future. Come and sing. Come and sing to me again. So let's just stand as we finish up. Have you got an awesome song? Let's do that. Let's just sing. And as we do, I know some of you are like, I'm not blooming singing. Sing. 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 Sing.